It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. Know what you need to know and what's it all about. Welcome to the Clip Out episode 34. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I literally drove home from work, raced down the stairs. I still have my shoes on. <laughs> don't have your giant glass of soda. I don't have my giant glass of soda. If I'm, I'm out of breath because I don't ride the bike, so I have no stamina when it comes to running of any kind. Just to be clear Yes And and also we could Get this recorded And I can jump on a ride Yes You're trying to hit a live ride So We are playing Beat the clock So there we go <laughs> Oh goodness So shameless plugs Don't forget that we're available on iTunes You can go there Rate, review, subscribe It helps us tremendously We greatly appreciate it We say it every week We do that's why Other things we should plug At the top of the show Our awesome website Our awesome website Theclipout.com And we have a web store So you can go and buy yourself Or someone you love A t-shirt Something clip outy. Something clip outy esque <laughs> We have multiple things there Yes So uh, you can also find us On Facebook At facebook.com Slash the clip out So uh, what is coming up On the show today We have an update From the HR tribe Okay. We also have a update from Stephen Little and his family. They're working on something I want to share with everyone. Okay. We have a fantastic interview coming up with Dennis Morton. And we have some drama that I can't wait to share. You made someone mad. I did. Someone... Got their panties in a bunch. <laughs> yes. How could you make someone mad? You're uh, delightful. <laughs> Well, I have my moments okay, that I'm not. Do. But are we going to jump right in? No, I was just saying, like you said. But uh, but yeah. So so there's that. <laughs> I'm far from perfect. Keyword far. <laughs> so anywho, yeah. So uh, so oh, so is, is that all the bullet that points? That is it. It's uh, it's going to be kind of short and sweet this week. Awesome. Well, uh, let's dig in, shall we? Sounds good. It's time for news of the Paladin. So the HR tribe Yes Got an update What's going on in HR land Okay they are officially changing their name To HR crew Okay And Tom LaBelle Is putting together Another party for HRI So the Saturday night get together That we went to last year And you got drunk I might have Gotten I might have imbibed There was fireball involved It was good times At one point in the evening I was legally declared a Kennedy It was so much fun And I'm looking forward to going again So Do they still have fireball in New York? I'm pretty sure they okay. do I was just I No, you know. I mean it's a fair question Yeah It's a fair question So Tom LaBelle has uh, an event posted on the OPP And he is just asking that Can anybody go out there who wants to go to the party And let him know that they're interested in, in going to the party So he Because he's trying to put a rough count together Sure He's pre-planning He's putting he, He's project managing Go yes, Tom yeah, so that's that's the update from the HR tribe, which is now the HR crew. So that's the update from the HR crew. 
We have to stop saying tribe. We do. That's it's the HR crew. HR crew. Yes. It's official. Why did they stop saying tribe? Because, well, they stopped saying tribe a long time ago when Stephen Little left. It's just still ingrained in my brain and I couldn't change it. So they had already called themselves something different and I forget it every time. And they always put in their hashtags when they ride HR crew. So they decided they should just make their Facebook page match their hashtag. So it's HR crew from here on out. Good to know. <laughs> this way, when I don't ride the bike, I'll be not riding with the right crew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be all squared away Yes But Tom LaBelle has uh, has graciously offered to let you borrow his Jeep when we're in New York If you take a ride I don't know that I want to drive a car in New York We'll work it out I'm from flyover country <laughs> Once you get above market like five, I start to get a little nervous A little nervous a little like sweatier on the collar Yeah, I can like we're, we're market like 26 or 27, I'm okay You start... Get in the larger markets But once you get into The really big cities mm. New York, Chicago, LA Like that's Oof That's the Thunderdome Well I don't know if I could handle that I don't know We're gonna find out It's gonna be fun I can't wait So uh, that's that Awesome An update From Stephen Little Yeah and it's actually An update from his wife uh, Julie Okay But um, they're, they're doing this together So I figured You know It's kind of an update From both but uh, obviously we had all the fires re- They're still going on sure. in California Second set of fires this year And a lot of destruction So a lot of people have been displaced from their homes And there was an article That showed that there is a tremendous Shortage on getting housing Out there and one of the ideas That came up through this article Was tents and not just like Pitch a tent you know canvas like a really Nice tent that has multiple rooms including Closets and, a, and it's a really Nice tent a glamping tent Yeah exactly and and they're pretty Expensive they're $330 on Kmart.com They can sleep up to 12 people Well That sounds pretty reasonable For a tent of that size I totally agree I thought it was going to be way more Right And and obviously It's it's almost Christmas time And these people Don't have a home So the idea is To, to raise some money And get 10 of these tents together And send them out there To California To find people who need them And they're also Side by side working to find people who need them Right So um, earlier in the week they posted this And there is a you caring page Which I will post at facebook.com Slash the clip out And um, you can go there to make your donations If you're interested The last I heard they had five I did not check today so that might be higher But I mean if we go over the limit of ten That's not a bad thing No We'll find somebody to help I'm sure And by we I mean Stephen Little and his wife Right (laughs) Yeah if you go over that would be Another tent Intense Ah I see what you did there I did (laughs) I did See (laughs) So there's the update from from the Littles Come for the Peloton Stay for the dad jokes (laughs) Just not the dad hats But no dad hats (laughs) Dad hat Shut up with the dad hats It's not a thing Just a regular hat That's how a hat's supposed to look Okay Enough of that All right (sighs) Touched a nerve If you're looking to avoid carbs It's always a challenge Trying to find bread That fits in with your keto lifestyle Right Because you want to make sure That it tastes good And you want to make sure It has good ingredients So I think Hero Bread Does both Especially when you're in the store You are overwhelmed With bread choices Yes And I've had other breads before That claim to have low net carbs And you are certainly Sacrificing taste 
texture, size. Yes. None of that with Hero Bread. No, because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs, they have like no substance to it. (laughs) It's like eating air. It is. And Hero Bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread (laughs) i didn't make a sandwich with these i just had toast which you love because you have toast almost every day i do it was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that i've ever had and if you're doing the math it's zero to one grams of net carbs zero gram sugar and high in fiber so don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? <laughs> well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, And they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping i see that so what did you do (laughs) well you know that's a funny thing i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean i have my theories so so uh just just to back up a little i want to go back in time we uh we started this podcast uh it's been it's been about six months now because we started in may right and um our third episode was about a group you might remember fast times at Peloton High. I recall. Okay, so it was all about racing and pillow pacing and All right, well, just just to give you a little high, a little insight into my day after I post these episodes, I tell you what, that that uh, that episode was not even up for 5 minutes before I started getting feedback. And it wasn't feedback like, "Oh, it's amazing you have a podcast." No, what it was was Scott Farr messed with me and I'm not going to tell these people's stories because they are not my stories right. to tell. So that's that's not what I'm here to do. But immediately the feedback was not positive for this individual, Scott Farr. Right. And um, so I didn't get involved. I stayed out of it. Right. We are Geneva. Yes. We are neutral. You know, there's two sides to every story. Right. And uh, no matter I, how flat you make a pancake, Dr. Dr. Phil, Phil says it has two sides. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I expect I'm going to have some more Dr. Philisms as we go through this, yeah. this moment. So um, I stayed out of it. Well, I have heard from various individuals that he randomly will kick you out of his group and then not explain why. And uh, so I got kicked out of his group. I got kicked out of the Fast Times group. A badge of honor. You've been expelled. I, I have from... 
from high school. You didn't even get detention first. I didn't. I and and I reached out and I asked him why I was removed. Right. Okay. So um, I am now going to read my messages <laughs> uh, on Facebook. Because I I want everyone to know that it, I want everyone to know exactly what was said word for word. Sure. Okay. So um, I said at Wednesday at twelve thirty seven p.m. I said why was I removed from the Fast Times group? I sent this message directly to Scott Farr. And you, just to back up, you're in a lot of groups because like oh yeah because one we talk to a lot of people yeah so yeah. you're not necessarily just in the groups no. that you participate in no. like you you like to be in a lot of groups because you were trying to let as Many different groups have a voice through the podcast as possible. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I feel like we're here to bring the community together, um, and so I want I want to highlight all the things going on, not just one or two groups, not just one or type one type of writing. So yes, Wednesday at twelve thirty seven p.m. Central Time, I asked why I was removed from the Fast Times group. I got no response. So Wednesday at five forty one p.m. I sent another message saying, okay, well, I guess I'll have to make assumptions. Uh, Wednesday at 5.57 p.m., I received a response from Scott. Are you looking to race or get paced? I don't have a ton of time for these convos with work, but what is it you need from the group? So I replied, Wednesday at 6.18 p.m., I need to understand why you removed me. Simple question. Scott then replied, Wednesday, 6.52 p.m., we won't be discussing the administration of our group outside of the admin team. You should let me know what you need from the group, and I'll see if we can help. We're always interested in supporting other writers. Have a great night. So I said, asking why I was removed is not administrative. I don't know what your deal is, but clearly everything I've heard about you is true. I guess your stance is no one can be in the group unless they pace a race. Glad to report that. And just real quick, I don't think it's some sort of star chamber Secret oath to not explain to someone why they're removed. Why they're removed from a group? Like you well, did. It's not did like you, it's I've not, never been removed from a group, right. so I thought I should ask why. Like, what did I do? It's, and it's not like you were on there, like doing some sort of screed. Like, you oh, were, and I should also mention he unfriended me. Like, it wasn't <laughs> just he he removed me from the group. He also unfriended me and left the clip out group. Am I upset about any of this? No, I honestly find it absolutely hilarious. But so his group is named after a high school for a reason. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, but I'm not done. He then replied Wednesday at seven twenty-five p.m. I'm not sure that threatening us is appropriate. Which I'm not clear when I threatened him, I, I don't but that's know. okay. Please don't reach out to me in the future. Happy holidays to you and Tom. I, which I don't think he meant at all. I think that might have been tongue in cheek. I think it was. I find it interesting that he finds. People hearing his own words is is a threat. Well, I, I I think it is, and the reason I think it is is because the stories that I have heard, which again I'm not, I'm not going to get into other people's stories, but this is a pattern with him. He appears to have a tactic where if you don't agree with him, he removes you from his life, and he won't discuss it with you. Which clearly in point, he won't yeah. discuss with me whatever his issue is. So well, then none of this should matter because clearly he, he, he he's not listening. He can't be listening, and he's he's unfriended and blocked you. So. Yeah. He won't be reaching out And so. I reached out to other admins of the group uh, One of which doesn't have anything to do really with the group anymore She's got some personal stuff going on So she didn't know anything about it um, And then uh, another admin Who I have not heard back from either And I also I thought there must be some mistakes So I, I re-requested to join And I was denied twice Not just once, twice This was before this conversation Yeah, it was before the conversation Because yeah. he hadn't answered So I, I did attempt you know, to solve the issue because surely I did something. 
So I I don't know if it's because I don't pace or race. Uh, My understanding is they only have like 100 people these days that actually race on Fridays in real time. So I can't imagine it's that the that really doesn't make sense because that would mean most of their members should be removed. But but I will say um, I, I think it might have to do with the fact that he seems to be under the impression that he owns Jennifer Jacobs and his tribe like like she belongs to him in some regard. Right. And and that's just simply not true. See, th- it's interesting because some of the instructors, they have a tribe page that like that's all they communicate with. Like Jen Sherman's like Jen a, good Sherman, example, right. a good example. If you want to know something about Jen Sherman, you know where to go. You go to the tribe page. But there are other instructors. Dennis Dennis Morton is one of them. He has a tribe page, but he also is part of the Power Zone pack. Matt Wilpers, another one. Matt Wilpers doesn't even have like a, a true tribe page. There are there are groups that discuss Matt Wilpers, and they are huge supporters. And Matt participates, but it, it's not he like doesn't there's a, have like an officially sanctioned. No, this is where I live. Right on Facebook, exactly. And that's how Jennifer Jacobs is. She she participates in multiple groups. She participates in the heart rate training one. She participates in the fast times, and she participates in the brand new Jacobs Tribe. Well, apparently, me talking about the Jacobs Tribe on this podcast is what set him off because nothing else has occurred since then. I don't know what other conclusions to come to. Dude won't talk to me. Dude won't answer my questions. Well, you know, it's if, <laughs> if you won't answer questions, then people can only draw their own conclusions. Exactly. So what do I need from the group? Oh, you, you know, I was thinking about this. Why am I bringing this up? People are probably asking that. Well, one, I find it hilarious. Like, I find the entire thing childish, immature, and just funny. I mean, I really did. I haven't dealt with anything like this except for your ex-wife <laughs> like that is that is the only other person that yeah. i can think of that acts like this in our life so there's that but also because this has happened to multiple people i feel like it wasn't my job to bring their stories forth you right. know if i invited them to come on the show and talk about it and they didn't want to and i, I totally get that right. they wanted to be the bigger person which i applaud them sure. for that but i don't consider myself the bigger person or the lesser person here because i feel like we talk- Talk about what goes on in the Peloton community every week. And this week. is what's going on, man. This is what's going on. He's a one-man OPP. Yeah. Uh, so, so I feel like it's my job to let people know what's up. So yeah. that's what's up. And uh, <laughs> enjoy. If you if you're in the Fast Times group, you will no longer be seeing anything about what's going on with the clip out because we're not allowed to post there. Feel free to share our, our notes there or not. And, I don't care. And if you've been busy and not been able to ride or pace lately, you might just want to go ahead and leave the group before it kicks you out. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely do not talk about Jennifer Jacobs belonging to another tribe. Cool. Apparently, apparently talk about touching a nerve. Yeah. Apparently somebody's got some compensating to do. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that There we go That's all Whew, That was a whole lot of drama It was For a silly little Facebook group I know Oh goodness Grow up <laughs> Well that's enough of that I agree So uh, we have bigger fish to fry We do The Morton Fisherman <laughs> So enough of our chit chat Now let's chit chat with somebody you actually want to listen to Here's some new tips from the training center so, uh, joining us on the Skype phone today, and we have yet another instructor. They were kind enough to send another one our way, so that's very exciting, ladies and gentlemen. Dennis Morton, hello, Dennis. How are you, Tom? I'm doing good. Yeah, we can we can save the kindness gauge for later, I and mean, it may not have been a favor to you. <laughs> 
that's okay. In today's world, if if it gets if it gets heated, that'll probably generate even more people listening. That's so, true. You know how it is. Are you selling advertising? Let's let's get to work. <laughs> we have not yet figured out a way to monetize. Yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. We yeah. it's a labor of love. It is. Commodification is the key to everything, and uh, or the or the key to ruining everything. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's a thin line. It, is a it thin really line. can be. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so where to begin? I guess we should start with. Well, we we should start with uh, how how you ended up in your life at Peloton. Like, how did you? How did you find your way there? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a longer story than I think we probably have time for, but I can give you the close notes. <laughs> okay. I, um, and my move to Peloton comes on the, the shoulders of a 12-year career in fitness that I never really intended to have. I was in my early 20s. I was making marginal decisions, as people will in their early 20s, and I followed a girl into yoga. And all, all of a sudden, yeah, no, those, I, pa- those pants will do it. You'll follow them around. Yeah, that's why they do that. And, and the person that filled those pants had been filling my mind for some time. Aww. And I um, but I followed her in and she actually promptly left and, and went someplace else. Uh, <laughs> but I stayed with it and did yoga every day for 16 months. And I uh, it gave me something physically challenging enough and spiritually fulfilling enough that I wanted to make better decisions both for my mind and my body. And I continued practicing yoga until I landed in Los Angeles. I answered a Craigslist posting about being in a yogi yoga DVD because I thought I was going to be an actor or a model like every other person living out plan B 15 years later. <laughs> and, uh, and I got cast in a yoga DVD and I got an offer about nine months later to be a part of a teacher training as compensation. And when I showed up to teach, to, to learn to teach yoga, they would not let me teach yoga at that facility without learning to teach spinning as well. Oh. And at the time I didn't know that people rode bikes in dark rooms to nowhere <laughs> in front of a panting, sweating cheerleader. And, and I laughed at it. And then I came out of they, they said, well, you, you do it or you don't. And I went into my first class and I came out of that with the corners of my mouth pinned back and and I got it. I understood the endorphin rush and fast forward about three years and I started teaching their teachers and fast forward another three years and I was recruited to leave for another cycling company and fast forward another three years and I got an offer to partner in a cycling company and fast forward another three years and uh, there's a pattern forming here. <laughs> and I got a text while I was on vacation in Mexico from a woman named Robin Arzon. Heard of and, her. And it said, we're looking to add another instructor to our team. Are you interested? And I said, well, I'm on vacation in Mexico, but let's set up a call. And I was busy. I was, I was running the company at the time. And, um, and I thought it was funny you know, or amusing anyway, the, the idea of auditioning for a job that I had had for 12 years and <laughs> had a relatively successful career with. But we, we talked. And at the end of our 20-minute conversation, I, I liked her and I believed her. And I was really interested in the model. And the capacity to spread the message a little bit wider. So I, because uh, I mean, what happened to me very recently was essentially the, the equivalent of going from small town Baptist preacher to televangelist almost overnight. And I could reach fifty people at a time in my dark little studio rooms. But this has the capacity to extend the message just so much farther. And incidentally, I, I asked at the end of that twenty minute conversation, yeah, so ideally when would you have me come in and audition for this job I already do? And she said, uh, March thirty first. And I said, Incidentally, I land in New York City for a birthday party on March thirty first at eleven AM <laughs> And that was true? And she yes, and she did not miss a beat and said, Can you be here at three? 
Wow. <laughs> and I said, sure. So I came and I did the audition and, uh, and, and you know, that was not at all the end of the process. They are, um, they are pretty thorough in their, in their hiring process, which I also very much appreciated. Um, there is no level uh, of Peloton that is not approached with a high degree of professionalism. And I, um, I really liked everything that they were doing and I liked everyone that they introduced me to. And the decision started to become more and more clear. As the conversation progressed So did you already know somebody at Peloton Or did they just reach out to you cold I did actually know Christine from, from years and years ago We had we had taught together okay. But the person that Said my name to Robin was actually A mutual friend that I haven't spoken with In a year, I hadn't until, until this Spoken with in a few years He actually leads uh, Vedic Meditations And I've never even bothered to ask How they knew each other I'm just super <laughs> grateful that they did <laughs> makes, makes me think I haven't done Done my responsibility here I might have to have a conversation with both of them soon, but. You owe someone a thank you note well, I was just going to say I've got thank you cards in my closet I'm going to have to go dig those out <laughs> So were you aware of Peloton? You said you worked with Christine, but had you, you know, were you guys close enough that you knew where she was today or did you know about Peloton? Were you completely? She was, but I was, uh, I was so deep in the process of building what the, the other project that I was a part of before this that I had kind of lost track of it. When you're running a program, you, you don't stick your head up above the waterline very often to see what other people are running. You're just so focused on what you're doing. Sure. Uh, I knew about Peloton before they even started selling bikes um, because of another mutual friend that was involved in the developmental stages. I had just sort of lost track of how the magnitude of the project and the veracity with which they had approached the fitness market. I had no idea just like the velocity that they had had managed to gain over the last few years. I'm still impressed. I was, <laughs> yeah. impre- I was, I was impressed at my first look, and I, I'm still impressed, and and I'm really, really excited for everything that we've got coming. <laughs> so, were you in a fitness pre yoga, or was that kind of your in, embarkation? <laughs> if that's not a word, it is now uh, on your <laughs> fitness journey. I'm with you. I, I, I like verbing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, that's from an old Calvin and Hobbes cartoon you know, <laughs> where, where access used to be a thing that it was granted. And now we access things. You're and, right. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, he says that verbing weirds words. <laughs> no, fitness as an end unto itself had never been a specific interest of mine. I was, uh, I was a soccer player as a child. I've been a surfer since I was, uh, I'd been bodyboarding my whole life and body surfing. You know, some of my earliest memories are like, you know, body surfing on top of my father with my arms around his neck, like he was my boogie board. Uh, <laughs> And, and I was always a, a climber of trees and a runner of races, and I played football into college. And over time, like what, what happens with, with all of us is that we accept the responsibilities of adulthood, and one of the compromises that we make is that we sort of rescind our athleticism. And after college football, I started to feel that happening, and hey, I mean, maybe that was contributing to to the quality of my decisions at the time. But I, um, what I've always cared about is being comfortable in my own skin and being able to move smoothly and confidently. And the yoga provided me not only the, the physical capacity to move confidently and comfortably within my own skin, but also eased the transition into operating comfortably in my own skin on a more figurative level. And only, only through my desire to share the benefit that 
specifically yoga, but movement and, and structured movement training had brought to my life. Uh, did I actually enter the market as uh, as an instructor? It, it was never about making money. I didn't even realize you could make money. I just wanted to continue giving the gift that had meant so much to me. It's always nice when you can fall into stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I am exceptionally fortunate. I have not looked for a job since 2005. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, I think that I, means you're also very talented. Well, uh, thank you for your blindness. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I I do give myself to everything I do. You know, if I'm going to bother, I give it all. And and through the course of committing both to the projects that I've been a part of and to uh, my capacity for excellence, I have been fortunate enough to have been noticed by other people that wanted me to be a part of the next project. Yeah. I'm, you know, call it hard work, call it luck. I call it luck. <laughs> well, it's what's that saying that it, you'll be surprised the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yep. Well, yeah, and there's that great speech by Ashton Kutcher at the, I think it was the, the, the Kids' Choice Awards or something a few years back where he said that, like, you know, I, I've gotten all these opportunities and all these opportunities were disguised as hard work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the more you say yes to, to the, the, the projects that scare you and stretch you, the, the better work you're doing and the more you're developing yourself, whether you're paying attention or not. It's, I mean, it's almost like Mr. Miyagi. You know, you're, it's wax on, wax off and paint the fence and you have no idea what you're actually training for. That is true. I've noticed that a lot of times in my life where it's like all of a sudden I'm doing something and I, it's it's accessing some skill set. There we go. Accessing some skill set that, <laughs> that I was like, when did I, when did I develop that? Well, yeah. right. Right. And and when you weren't looking. Yeah. You know, when when you were focused on, on being excellent at the thing that you were trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's always nice to find out that you accidentally got good at something. It doesn't feel like you had to work so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we reached out to our listeners through social media and asked to see if they had any questions for you. And we weeded out, I'd say, at least 75% of the inappropriate ones. <laughs> and... Well, I'm, I'm really interested in 25% of what's coming. Right, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like we got to keep it a little exciting, you know. But uh, so we're going to kind of turn it over to them. And so we will have questions kind of from them yeah. moving forward. So uh, we'll, we will. Interesting thing, going from who I've always been to having a public. Yeah, right? Yeah, I bet so. I bet it My is. public. Yes, your public. Well, and, and, and you can't see me blushing through this. <laughs> we can hear it. We can hear it. Yeah. Good. It's. Thanks to stereo. <laughs> it really comes through. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, so our first question is from Ren Herman, and, uh, and they would like to know, what is your favorite surfing spot besides your father? <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of a loaded question. The real honest answer is I'm not sure I've been there yet. <laughs> my you know the my dream trip is uh is to the mentawis it's and depending on uh, the nationality and and education of the the person saying it it's either mentawis or mentawis but it's a an archipelago in indonesia where uh, a large quantity a large percentage of the best waves on the planet are condensed into one place and specifically there is a place called nias n-i-a-s in a in a, a landmass called Scorpion Bay that has my full attention. And I used to have like, uh, I used to pull the pages out of the magazines when I was a kid and put them on the front of my desk. My favorite surf spot currently is Long Beach, which is only about 25 miles east of New York City and has considerably better surf than anyone does or should know. <laughs> uh, it's already crowded enough. 
and I'm not trying to blow up the spot, but New York has much, much better surf on the south coast of Long Island than people realize. I also really like a place called Manasquan Inlet in New Jersey right now. And my favorite wave that I've been able to surf with any degree of regularity leading up to that was Rincon, which is in between Ventura and Santa Barbara on the California coast. And it's just a little, it's a little headland that sticks out into the ocean off of a south facing coastline that catches northwest swells coming out of the Gulf of Alaska. And as it wraps around that headland, if you catch it in the right spot and the tide and the wind and the swell and your ability all come together, you can get a ride that can be about a half mile long. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and it, 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 at which point you're kicking out the back of the wave because your calves are cramping, not because you're tired of surfing. Wow. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. That says something good. if it makes your calves cramp. I had to switch from a stick shift to an automatic for that reason. <laughs> like that's that's my level of fitness. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, well, your Peloton's in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got a free Peloton. Oh, sweet. How about that? <laughs> and it's and it's recorded. You can't take it back, yeah. Dennis. <laughs> right. Well, you know the mail is uh, not entirely reliable. <laughs> oh, too funny. Should, shouldn't say that. I'm actually super impressed with the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. The volume of, 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 of uh, the quantity and volume that they they handle. They're, they manage pretty well. They do. Uh, they do. From it's like from a macro standpoint, it's very impressive. From a micro oh, standpoint, okay. when you're in that line, you just want to hurt them. But <laughs> but when you pull totally, back, totally. what they I mean. achieve is amazing i have very rarely lost a piece of mail and i have no idea where my keys are right now and that's all i've got to manage yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point well our next question is from stephanie caputo and she would like to know how you got involved with power zone training what piqued your interest was it peloton or matt that approached you or did you approach them with your interest or how did that happen well uh I mean, it really just started with me taking the class. Matt is incredibly generous, both with his knowledge and and his time. And he was uh, around a lot when I was here making the transition into Peloton. So I bounced a lot of my questions off of him. And uh, yeah, and he and I developed a friendship. And when I started taking his power zone classes, just during the process of, of getting trained, my this is the first time I've ever taught a numerically based training program. Uh, I've always taught by feel, so it was always entirely subjective, and I was always telling people what, like, what, what kind of. Uh, I, I don't want to use the term output and make it confusing, but what what kind of feeling and exertion level that they w- were supposed to be feeling verbally? You know, it was always just a description. And the the reason that I had always resisted numer- numerically based systems is that you know uh, a certain cadence and resistance pairing is going to mean something different to me and to you and to her and like uh, to have a three hundred pound NFL offensive lineman competing with a seventy pound ballerina has never seemed fair to me mm-hmm. and or even reasonable. Like, I, I don't I don't know that it's in the best interest. Um, we give ranges, which makes it uh, a great deal more accessible and more inclusive. But what PowerZone does is take your specific fitness level and allow each of us to to feel the same. So PowerZone, it, it's, it's, uh, it's cut up into seven zones of exertion, and each zone represents a range of output. So if, if your maximum output is 300 and my maximum output is 200, if we're both working at the same percentage of our max, we're both experiencing the same physiological difficulty. And power zone specifically is based on placing the body under certain amounts of stress, which elicit physiological adaptations within organ groups or systems or muscles. And 
it meets you right where you are and takes away the objectivity of it and makes it subjective for each. And it, it, it individualizes success across a very wide audience, which is a pretty amazing thing. And I am excited not only to learn that as a system, but also to be able to stay tuned. I've got my fingers crossed. I've got I've got ideas in, in <laughs> development that for, for ways to translate that into various other programming types. Hmm. So it's Curious. it's kind of like uh, like handicapping in golf. So players of different skill sets can or skill levels can still compete. I, I know where you're going with that, but I I almost never use the word handicap if I can. Sure. Yeah. We've, I, all got, we've all got strengths and opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't mean in a derogatory way, but just as a no, way no, no, to course, kind of, of level the playing well, field. For, don't mean it in, a, in a derogatory way in golf either. I just, right. Uh, yeah. yeah we're, not, we're not handicapped. We're just, you know, this yeah. is where we are. <laughs> well, it's just a way to kind of get it to a level where it's apples it's to apples. leveling of the playing field. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. So, uh, Rachel Boutine, did I say that right? You did. Okay. Woohoo. Would like I've to know games all day long so i totally understand <laughs> <laughs> um she would like to know uh what uh your power zone training well, learning to teach it what that entailed well i had to buy the book <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even give you one <laughs> i mean i'm, I'm sure they, they would reimburse me i'm not I, I can't remember if i ever submitted for it it doesn't matter it's been so useful i'm happy to pay uh, <laughs> so yeah uh, a lot of it was reading and talking to professor wilpers and <laughs> and then i mean the book is these guys are, are, are really brilliant, the, the two doctors that put this book together. But as, as a result of their brilliance and commitment to excellence in their own field, it's about as dense as a neutron star. And reading it and trying to process it into a, a usable platform reminded me of why I dropped out of college. <laughs> <laughs> But but I did sift my way through it, and when I when I got stuck, I would just call or text or you know stalk Matt in the street and make him explain something to me. And yeah, mostly it was reading and studying and uh, and taking classes and just trying to to gain a broad based understanding of the concept and application of of the process. Well, that kind of leads to the next question from Lauren Joby Coyle, and she would like to know what kind of questions were on your power zone test that Wilpers gave you. It was basically nuts and bolts kind of stuff. You know, they wanted to know that I understood what, you know, FTP stands for functional threshold power. And they wanted to, to they wanted me to explain what functional threshold power was and how the FTP test is administered and how the, the FTP warm up and test go together. Um, the significance of the numbers, the, the calculations of each zone, you know, how, how that's done and the specific physiological adaptations that are being elicited by the stress levels provided by those zones of output, it, which makes it sound, and, and you know, it, I'm not comparing myself to Mozart, but they say Mozart sat down in front of a, a piano when he was four and it just made sense to him. The power zones just made sense to me. I looked at it. I, I listened a great deal to Matt and I, oh, yeah, cool. This makes sense. I'm really interested in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it was really just a matter of, of learning the, the background behind the way that the concepts are applied. And, and that's what the questions were about on the test. Uh, my mother was an English professor. So I, while it was not required to answer in essay form, I did. <laughs> uh, so what might've been a page or two of answers ended up being three pages handwritten. And, uh, 
Yeah, it was primarily nuts and bolts and really the, the nuance and oh, and also like work recovery ratios. So like how, how, how long can you go in zone five? And if you go this this duration in zone five, how much time do you need to recover from that in order to be to be ready for the next interval? As, um, as a writer yeah. who takes your classes, I'm really glad you got that part right. <laughs> and, and, and it speaks to credibility as an instructor. In order to have a healthy relationship between an instructor and a student, trust is necessary. And the moment I ask the riders to do something that is just absolutely unattainable and unachievable, I've lost their their faith. Yeah. And if you lose the faith of your riders, it's much more challenging to get it back than it is to err on the side of caution and keep it and continue to pull that thread. So all of those class plans are pretty thoroughly thought out and run through the the checks before we try to and and if i'm not sure about it i write it first and and make sure that i think it's attainable wow yeah i would think that's that would have to be a really big concern because if you if you put a goal in front of somebody that they don't feel is attainable the on the one hand they might lose like you said lose their faith in in you as an instructor but what's probably more likely to occur is they think they just can't do it and then they give up entirely. Yeah, like that, they're a failure. Yeah, and then they just walk sure. away. Well, and and yes, and and our job as as instructors, and specifically within Power Zone, is to not provide a structure that is that is unattainable. And and really, like the the relationship between coaches and athletes, which is really what this is. I mean, we can say teacher, student, whatever, but it's really coaches and athletes. If you trust a coach, they have the capacity to push you so far beyond your perceived limits than you would ever push yourself because you have done the legwork to gain their trust. And that takes a great deal of time and space to build and curate and a moment to destroy. Hmm. Yeah. That Never sense. really thought about it like yeah. that. Well, but you've had coaches. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I've since I've ridden the Peloton, I've, I've never done any kind of exercise on a regular basis until until I got the bike. So it's kind of gotcha. a new a new approach for me. Cool. And, but do you find yourself uh, thinking like this, the, the thing that they're asking for sounds unreasonable or unattainable, but they, they, you know, they haven't given me anything that was yet. So I'm going to give it a shot. And then you impress yourself. Yeah. I, I, I usually end up feeling like there's no way I can do that. And then I, I do listen to you over here. Like, yeah, I guess <laughs> like, no, I heard you say that almost verbatim. Well, I don't, I was thinking through, I don't, I don't know that I, I sit there in the moment thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't I don't know I can do that. Oh, I was really surprised myself, but by the end of the ride, I am almost always thinking that. Right. I just never thought of it like a trust like with the coach. I never thought I never thought of that as going back and forth. I thought of it as I'm I must not be pushing myself hard enough if I can't do it. I never thought of it as it's more of a relationship than than what it is. Does that make sense? No, I totally. can break this to you, but we're in a relationship. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and I hope I haven't outed our process. You know, it's it's not like a, a giant secret, but yeah, there there is a great deal of of emphasis on maintaining credibility with your with your audience, as you, uh, specifically when you're asking them to do something physical and and challenging. You know, it's interesting because I've never thought about it in those terms because I'm not a sports guy and I never have been. But I, my parents... There's, there's still time, Tom. Right? Uh, let's not go crazy. But my parents <laughs> made me play sports when I was a small child, mainly because I was small and they were bigger than I was. Uh, <laughs> and I was awful at it. I told the story on the podcast. I once famously struck out at T-ball. Um <laughs> 
but I just I, when you were when you were saying that I was sitting going back through the coaches I had as a kid, and I'm just thinking I never had a good coach. Every coach I ever had was a complete dick. <laughs> you know, being a coach, I have also had those coaches. Everyone has gives you an opportunity to learn something. Something you want to be more like or something you want to be less like. Yeah. Uh, even bad coaches can teach good lessons. Yeah. Well, my, my lesson was sports aren't for me. <laughs> and that, that was the lesson you learned. Yeah. There, there, yeah. may have, there may have been a number of lessons available, and, and that was the one that stood out for you. Yeah. As long as, yeah. As long as it's working out for you, I'm happy if you are. <laughs> So, uh, moving on to something a little bit less, more lighthearted, uh, <laughs> Melissa Perry Giamanco, am I saying that right? I, I think so. You know some of them better than I do, so I just uh, would like to know how you pick the music for your classes. It depends. It's a, it's a balance. Some days I've got a structure in mind for the class, and I pick the music to fit it. Some days I've got a song that's banging around in my head like shoes in a dryer that I just can't get rid of, and, and I, I put that on the playlist and then build around it. For most of my time in fitness, music has been part of what set me apart. It's all that really mattered to me growing up. And and like you and I were talking before we actually hit record, uh, I've been a music junkie since I was very, very small. And I'm a lyrics junkie. So I'm, I'm hyper conscious of, of lyrics and the way that music and, and lyrics within music motivate. If I can, I try to pick music that allows the song to speak. Even though I talk a great deal, I would like the song to say something of its own. And and also that process has been changing some. So like whereas music has been the sort of the, the forefront of the artistry of, of what I've been doing on, on a spin bike for the last dozen years. Now moving into power zone, I'm, I don't want to call myself a slave to the structure or the clock, but the intervals and the, the timing is what drives the, the structure of the class. So, and it, and it seems like that would become a slavish relationship for me, but it, it turns out it has become really liberating because it narrows down my options in a way that, that makes it almost easier for me to make the playlist. You know, if we're going to be doing a zone five effort, for example, I'm not going to play any, I got, I got to give you something that's going to make you want to kick a hole in the ceiling. Yeah. And, and the duration of the interval is this. So I have to, you know, I have to find a high energy song at a cadence that's, that's relevant to this, this interval that's going to be, you know, between four and five minutes long. And that has been, like I said, really liberating in a way. The, to, to sort of take myself and my ego about music out of it and, and let the the structure of the the intended intervals run the program a little more. It's a labor of love, and and it it, it is creative and structured and. And I do agonize over it. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that your country music rides on Monday mornings have become some of my favorite rides. Oh, thank you so much. I uh, I have not listened to country. My joke is that as soon as Garth Brooks turned into Chris Gaines, I stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. It's not even remotely true. Uh, but it's, it was around that time in the late 90s that I stopped listening to country music. And it has been so fun for me to reconnect to the music that I loved growing up. When I was uh, a, a very small child, I was riding on a family friend, Don Alford's shoulders. Uh, my parents were involved in this uh, this group of people that went camping a few times a year. And we were camping with, with this group, and we had camped near the 
the River Ranch Rodeo. And it was a, it's a small amateur rodeo in Central Florida. And we were walking from the rodeo grounds to the back to the campsite. And I was on Don Alford's shoulders. And Don Alford looked up at me and said, Dennis, did you enjoy the rodeo? I said, I, I talked with a pretty heavy lisp as a child. I said, I, I sure did, Mr. Alford. <laughs> Boys just want to get dirty. Boys just want to get bucked. <laughs> and, every, and every Christmas I get to hear that story over again and Don Alford can get about a third of the way through it before he buckles over with laughter which is great <laughs> his laugh fills a room with joy it's just wonderful but I grew up on wanting you know mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys I uh, I wanted to be the Dukes of Hazard. I was Bo Duke. I, you know, I, I was the blonde one, and my brother was the was Tom Wopat. I guess I, I grew up on country music, and it's been so much fun to get back to it. So I that was a long to tell you I loved country music when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question: Did your did your lisp self correct, or did you have to get speech therapy? I think I went to a few sessions as a child. It's actually not a part of my memory that I'm super in touch with. I'll have to talk to my mom when I'm home for Christmas. I do remember meeting. A woman a couple of times in one of those like windowless rooms in the little Catholic school that I grew up going to. Well, you have to tell him why you're asking, Tom. Oh, because I well, he's I thought he was pausing, so I was like, well, I had a lisp as a child as well. In my memory for the next three weeks, let's not do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I was asking because I had a speech impediment as a child. I had a lisp and I couldn't say my R's, my R's, my, so I was it was Oz and Ethnith. You know, I did the same thing. And it's, so did, you, did you go to speech therapy? I did. I did. I went for. It's funny. I, I maybe it's just the age they hit you at because I know it was like I think I was in it like around first grade. I I vaguely remember it as well. I just know that I like I was going weekly, semi weekly for uh, the better part of of a year, like an entire school year. And it may have been that for me, and I just don't remember. I'm going to have to talk to my mother when I get home. <laughs> have you ever read? Uh, do you, Do you read any David Sedaris? Oh my gosh! Yeah, we actually went and saw him the last time he was in town. In fact, oh, I I had a short story published locally, and at the reading, they the they were very nice enough to compare my story to a David Sedaris story. That is incredible. I know. I was kind of flattered. So, so as a kid that grew up with a lisp, Carolina or state always resonated so deeply with me because he organized all of his vocabulary to never have to say the letter S. <laughs> and, and, and as a, you know, as a, as a person who is completely devoid of sports fanhood, he just always chose Carolina because it didn't force him to say state. <laughs> it, it's absolutely, I mean, it's a brilliant piece if you ever get a chance to read it. Uh, Carolina or state. <laughs> I'll have to find it because we. I his stuff was on sale on Kindle one day, and I bought like almost everything he's ever written because they were like a dollar ninety nine each. Yeah, and, like, sold. <laughs> what what he essentially became was a semantic gymnast to avoid the letter S. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of people do that. I know like people sure. uh, with stutters. Like they always get kind of stuck on their own name because you can substitute other words like you can find a, a synonym for almost any word but you can't for your own name and so when you ask them their name they just a lot of times they just get stuck you know but well, uh, and we're all stuck on something man. yeah I, my, <laughs> so my, true. my speech therapy nightmare was i i went through it for like six months and it was my lat and my r's were awful like everybody who thought i was from new york because they thought i was like new york you know and uh sure. and uh and they got in the the last day or what was supposed to have been the last day <laughs> they she was like okay we think we got this under control like you know you're doing good independently we don't have to keep nudging you and uh she's like just run through the alphabet one more time 
And I'm like, you know, Elemental P-Q-R-F-T-U-V. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. And I'm like, what? She's like, do that again. I'm like, Q-R-F-T-U-V. And she's like, the the S? And I'm like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I had to do this, and so I had so to do it. Close. I had to do it all over again, only now for S's. So yeah, I, I still type in lip occasionally, and, uh, and my iPhone is constantly trying to autocorrect me from making fun of my childhood self. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Okay, so Chris Thomas wants to know: Do three pound weights really help build muscles? The short answer is more than not lifting three pound weights. <laughs> Touche. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, re- really, what it comes down to is um, is w- whether you're trying to build muscle or maintain muscle or tone muscle. And you know, is a three pound weight going to have the same impact on your muscle that a thirty pound or a three hundred pound weight would? No, not necessarily. But if you're if you're bodybuilding, you do really high weight and really low reps. If you're trying to increase muscular endurance, you're going to do really low weight and really high reps. And that's really what we're doing more. What what we offer at Peloton is a, a total body fitness program, in part because we offer that upper body sequence and the, the variety and intensity with which the instructors approach it really does give you a pretty balanced workout over time. What really becomes important as the weight diminishes is to maintain firm mind muscle connection. So they, they they did a study years and years ago, and I'm you know, I'm not going to sign my name to it, but I I read this report on a study where they had a a group of people working out with weights and then they had a group of, uh, an experimental group working out, doing the same movements, but with no weight and a really intense focus on squeezing the muscles that they were, that they were focused on, on as you move through the movement. So you'd be looking like a crazy person sitting in a gym on a flat bench, bench pressing the air but really focusing on squeezing your pecs on the way to the top. And the, the differences in strength gain over the course of a six-week program were only like 15%. Wow. So you've got people that are actually lifting weights and people that are just making the mind-muscle connection between the, the movements that they're doing and the muscles employed in those movements. And the, the mind is the most powerful thing that you can use in your body. And everything else in in your body is just responding to the signals that your brain sends. So are three pound weights going to turn you into Terry Crews? No, (laughs) but but they might prevent you from becoming somebody that you're not happy with in the mirror. Well said. So Marcel Marceau must have been ripped. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he probably had good shoulders. Yeah. I was I that was like the only mime I could think of. I guess Shields and Yarnell. That's it. I, was say, I mean, and 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 he was probably really good at pushing movements, but maybe not so good at pulling because you can't really show a box that you're pulling from. That's that's true. true. Yeah, there's. I mean, and honestly, the I the only can only think of one pulling movement. He would have gotten arrested for that. No. What? Easy killer. <laughs> I mean, he could have been playing imaginary tug of war. Let's bring this back into the PG-13. <laughs> So uh, our next question is the family for, show, Tom. Not always. <laughs> I, I don't actually know. I mean, like, you know, my family was different anyway. <laughs> so our next question is from uh, Brenda Kramer, whose leaderboard name is Canada Brenda, or it could be since she's Canadian, it could be Canada Brenda. <laughs> it's Canada Brenda. Oh, Brenda. Okay. Uh, uh, 
What is, what is the one thing you've learned about yourself since joining Peloton? Oh, there's not just one. <laughs> well, you feel free to expound. It's... Well, mostly what I've learned about myself is my absolute, un- and, and it's not that I learn it, but I mean, there are so many of these lessons that as we move through our life, we learn over and over and over. The thing that has really been galvanized for me again is the my refusal to accept less than my best. I am really hard on me and I am so committed to representing myself as well as possible that before I before I moved over here, I was uh, I had built and managed a team of 50 instructors and a crew of 150 to run the facilities. And I thought that moving from managing large teams as well as myself to just managing myself and trying to be my, my best as a Peloton instructor was going to be less work. And the fact that you know, Boyle's law applies no matter where you are, the amount of work that you have expands to fill the space. And somewhere in my my human brain, I'm always looking for the opportunity to to slack off a little bit, but somewhere deep, deep rooted in the in the person that I am, my you know my reptile brain refuses to to slack off. Wow, I'm learning to balance that. That's that's good. You don't want to be all work all the time. That's that's oh, not good. It, it's funny because like surfing and teaching are the only two things about which I am type A. Interesting. I am super relaxed in most of my life, and you know words matter, music matters being my best and 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 helping people matters and the rest of it can just sort of fall by the wayside and you know i can take it or leave it but i want to be great at the things that i choose to to put myself into so yeah okay well i live in my head has that become clear enough (laughs) don't we all yeah (laughs) to different degrees tom (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) okay so this next question was asked by uh, a few people um they wanted to know if you had heard if there are any plans to incorporate power zones on the tablet I think it would be exceptionally helpful, specifically for the people that are participating in power zone classes. But the the real answer is that's way above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I go to content development meetings to to talk about the the things that are being rolled out. I'm not the one rolling them out. Gotcha. No, I mean, I know the power zone pack is, is pretty is chomping at the bit to see that happen. As a power zone instructor, sure, I'd love to see that happen, but I don't have any idea if, if or when that's a possibility. Well, that's that's a fair answer. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. It's part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gina Spinelli Mitchell uh, would like to know if you could have any celebrity, dead or alive, although the dead ones would be boring, uh, in your class, <laughs> who would it be and why? Let's talk it. Yes. <laughs> you think my output's low. <laughs> That's funny. (laughs) Um, If I could have any celebrity, dead or alive, um, do my dishes. uh, Be in in your class. In your class. In my class. I was like, what what, what am I having them do? (laughs) (laughs) Does one of them fold laundry really well? I hate folding laundry. In my class. Joseph Campbell, and who's been dead probably 27 years, but he wrote the heart. I was explaining why he wrote the heart of darkness. Oh, uh, he it, which was kind of loosely adapted into Apocalypse Now. Well, thank you for uh, that. Uh, no, 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 that's Joseph Conrad. Oh, Jesus, Joseph. What'd you say? Uh, I mean, no, I mean, I like Jesus, too, but I wouldn't want him <laughs> in my class. Uh, you know, Jesus hovering above the pedals, giving more output than me would just be embarrassing. Uh, I have all sorts of inappropriate stigmata jokes no, running through no, my head no. right now. <laughs> Just a- well, that's funny. I liked that movie. No, uh, Joseph Campbell was uh, the hero's journey. The, the okay. hero with a 
and faces and um his his work has been the single greatest influence on my own and i it really would have nothing to do with having him in class it would be the possibility of talking with him afterward very cool uh, yeah joseph campbell's the guy that um he unified all of the hero myths of he, he was very interested in mythology as a child and uh began amassing uh what became the world's greatest collection of the the mythologies of various cultures and then uh he was a, a professor at sarah lawrence college and he became the world's foremost authority on mythology and what he said was the the trouble with mythology is that people tend to think of them as entertaining stories when in fact what they were is an oral history and a manual for living and overcoming your challenges. Like, uh, there's, you know, we've all got a demon to slay. We've all got a dragon to slay. And the, the cave you fear to enter is the cave that holds the treasure you seek. It, his, his entire lexicon was about facing your fears and overcoming yourself on the way to personal greatness. So Joseph Campbell is one of my personal heroes. And like, like I said earlier, his work has been the single greatest influence on my own. Wow. Outside of maybe my parents, but that's the same thing. (laughs) That's the same thing. (laughs) He he picked up where my parents, when I was no longer listening to my parents, Joseph Campbell continued to steer the ship. At least you had someone good there. Yeah, for sure. Well, it took me a minute to find him. Well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you found them. That's the important thing. Sure, sure. Okay, so you've mentioned that you used to teach yoga, and they want to know, this is Krista Thompson would like to know, do you have any plans to add Beyond the Ride yoga classes? And her uh, leaderboard name is Riding, Riding on Sunshine. I like that. Uh, me too. And um, <laughs> again, that's, that's above my pay grade. I have offered. I am open. And uh, I'll just say, well, let's all keep our fingers crossed and stay tuned. Okay. That's a good answer. That's what they call a tease. It is. Well, I, I, I wish I had said, uh, something that I knew I was teasing, what I'm really saying. <laughs> you're, say, you're saying you're trying. It's just getting them to... Well, I'm, not even, I'm not even saying I'm trying. I'm saying I'm open to it. You know, the fact of the matter is um, it, it's been, you know, don't get me wrong. It's been a great deal of fun and I'm loving it. But it's, it's also been a, a lot of work just to get up to speed and get confident and proficient at what I'm currently doing on a bicycle. So uh, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to divide my attention or energy any spread it any thinner than than it already is. And uh, and as the demand on on me diminishes somewhat as I become more comfortable in this format. I am wide open to accepting new challenges and, and I, you know, I have a, an abiding and unwavering love and passion for yoga. So I would be absolutely willing to, to delve into that if given the opportunity. So, uh, Beth Tooley Sabby, uh, I keep looking at you can't see I keep looking at my wife and she shakes her head I'm like yes I said it right uh, she says that she uh, she read somewhere that uh, I guess you said that you like to eat the same thing pretty much daily and she's just curious if that's accurate and if so what is it well what she I think what she's referring to is my kitchen sink scramble and uh, and that means whatever is in my fridge from the farmer's market gets sautéed in oil in a pan in the morning. And then I whip eggs and, and pour them on top and then just cook it all together. And it, it's true to the extent that I am motivated enough to wake up early and make my breakfast every day. Sometimes it's a bagel sandwich. Sometimes it's the, the kitchen sink scramble. And the kitchen sink scramble, even if it is my consistent – and, and you know, we move in cycles. Sometimes we're really on top of our nutrition and grocery shopping and sometimes we're not. But even when it, even when it is a consistent part of my morning, it, it varies by season depending on what's at the farmer's market. Gotcha. So, 
so I am a creature of habit and I am a, a compulsive in my in my dietary habits, but it stays balanced just by nature of where I shop. That makes sense. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah. I uh, I tend to eat the same thing a lot, but it's like chicken tenders. <laughs> and he's, hey. he's not joking. Yeah. <laughs> everything there is a season, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not above a chicken tender. We're like, I mean, we're like, you might find me hovering above a chicken tender. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm certainly not above ingesting one. <laughs> With all the joke, this is from Beth Boschart, who her leaderboard name is Ride Like a Boss, and she says, "With all the jokes that you make about on, on rides about dating lines, what's your best pickup line?" I think it's everybody's best pickup line. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Smile and um, and be interested because if you're pretending to be interested when you're hitting on them, that's a that's a recipe for a bad relationship. Yeah, I, I don't really have a line. I mean, I have a bunch of terrible lines, and I, I, I throw them out in class from time to time. But I would never actually use those with someone I was interested in. <laughs> that's Cer- good to cer- know. Certainly not I'd, until I had gotten to yes about the, the first date. But. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't want to show them how cheesy I actually am until I've, I've already implied value. <laughs> so uh, I like how this question. I like how you the rotation falls to where I get to ask this question. Well, it's not okay. from you, but a lot. Of, we yeah. had a lot of female listeners that wanted to we, know. We don't have a name attached to this one. One to protect the the innocent and less <laughs> than, and uh, also because it would just be a very long list. Uh, <laughs> but people were curious as to uh, your. Relationship status Oh My relationship status Is good (laughs) (laughs) The fewer people That are involved In my private life Nicely done I don't blame you So so we'll let you Go to the next one Okay Uh, So let's see Carrie Olson Elling Would like to know Why the orange shoes Which she loves (laughs) Oh thank you Um, Me too uh, the the tradition I came from was rhythm based, kind of like Cody's class, where where everybody's riding on the rhythm of the music specifically. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I'm I'm musical as a person. I was a break dancer as a kid. I've never actually been to a regular dance class, but I uh, but I am. A, I won't tell you I'm good at much. I'm a reasonably good dancer. And the the program that I was that I came from, we would have the whole room moving together on the same foot, not just on the beat of the music, but the whole room would be swaying in unison. And um, there have been a number of incarnations of the brightly colored shoes, but when you're in a dark room with a bunch of other people and they're trying to follow your feet, black shoes in the dark don't don't translate well. So I tried white ones and then I tried tennis ball green ones and I found those orange ones and I love orange. Oh. Uh, with chakra, creativity, sexuality. Yeah, it's, uh, I love orange and they are like traffic cones on my feet and they were easy for people to follow. And even from all the way at the back of the room and they, they, I'm not really that flashy as a person, but that particular, that particular element made it, made my class more successful from the rider end, easier to follow. That makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that I thought about that, but that does make sense. You can actually see what the people that are writing can actually see what you're doing. Makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty day glow, which is why people notice them even on the stream. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. I know a couple of a couple of riders have tracked them down and bought them because they like them so much. Oh. Um, 
It's the first time I've ever been a fashion influencer, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess uh, that probably brings us to our last question, which isn't really a question. It's just from Lisa Carlson, who you may or may not know is the the cheer fairy. And uh, so it's not really a question. So comment or don't. It just says those arms. And then and then she said, "Say thank you." Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. There. It's like good night, Gracie. Those, yeah. Those arms. Um, it's, it's it's so funny. I I get a lot of questions about like um, diet and exercise and all these things. And as as I become more visible, um, you know, what's the old line? The higher you climb on the totem pole, the more people can see your ass. Uh, yeah. I um, people ask me, and my joke answer has always been, "Oh God, you don't want to follow me." There are some weeks that I live on whiskey and chocolate. I promise you, that's not accurate. And but really, it, it goes back to my answer from from earlier. It's never been necessarily about fitness or aesthetics. It's that I want to be able to move. So like if you're going to paddle a surfboard for hours on end, your arms are going to be toned. When I was when I was teaching yoga in, in L.A., the natural progression for me seemed to go into uh, aerial acrobatics. So I started training for silks and trapeze. And honestly, my arms are a shadow currently of what they were when I was consistently training for for silks and trapeze. Um, but I mean, I'm flattered either way. <laughs> there's there's that, that great line in, in one of the Winnie the Pooh books where, uh, Eeyore's he, he's talking about owl. He says, just the other day, owl flew by and noticed me, didn't acknowledge me, didn't say hello, but he noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty flattering, really. <laughs> I love Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I think that brings us to the end of our time. I guess the the final question would be, uh, where can people find you other than on the bike? Is there a social media presence or a website, anything of that nature? I mean, uh, I would direct them to my my Peloton instructor page, you know, Dennis Morton dash Peloton on Facebook or on uh, on Instagram. It's Dennis Dennis Morton Dennis with one N and uh, M O R T O N. There's I can't remember if it's one or two underscores in between. Okay, um, I should probably know this. <laughs> I'm kind of a digital idiot. Uh, yes, so it's Dennis underscore Morton. I'm not sure if it's a single or a double underscore, but there's definitely an underscore in there and. Uh, and beyond that, I'm just going to have to see them on the stream. I'm, I, it's one of the, the aspects of my my public facing persona that I'm uh, that I'm working on the most diligently. I uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not interested that much in the minutia of my daily life. I can't imagine that other people are, but if they are, I, I guess I might as well feed them. Sure, and don't say you'll see them on the stream. Everybody's scared that that camera works two ways. Yeah. And they get- <laughs> They get worried that people are looking at them while they're on the bike. Let me this up for you. All I see is your screen names. I'm not sure I would be comfortable if I had a camera on all of you guys all the time. I that's that's yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. I don't even know if it would be possible. I don't know how the NSA does it. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't want to know, yeah. and I disavow any participation in this conversation. That there is. <laughs> we get people disavowing us a lot. That's how most of these end, actually. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for taking the time and, and uh, sitting down with us. It's been great. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you so much for being on. Here's today's recipe for success. So what sort of recipe does he have? We know it's not fish. Salsa chicken. Salsa fishing. <laughs> Substitute chicken for fish. Go. <laughs> All right. You need two to four chicken breasts. Taco seasoning. <laughs> Salsa 
I like that it's even numbers with breasts, though. That's good. Yeah. And uh, and also some cheese, but that's optional. So sure. if you don't like cheese, that's okay. And then you preheat your oven. You roll the chicken breasts in the taco seasoning. Place the chicken in the baking pan. Cover it with salsa. Bake for 30 to 35 minutes. If you want the cheese on top, remove after 30 minutes, sprinkle the shredded cheese over the top, and bake for another five. Let cool and serve. He says that it's easy, healthy, and pairs well with almost anything. He likes it with quinoa and a salad. Awesome. There you have it. That sounds pretty simple. I agree. Cool. Thank you for doing the show and for providing a recipe. Yes. That's very nice of him. So uh, I guess that's it for this episode. Mm -hmm. Who do we have coming up on the next episode? Lori Cheek. From Shark Tank. Yes. Yes, and as a bonus, she's also the person that convinced Flat Michael to go to Peloton in the first place. Oh, it all comes full circle. It does. She is incredibly entertaining. I can't wait to have this conversation. It should be a good one. So uh, so that's what we have to look forward to. Bonafide TV star. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. That's a first for us. It is. So um, so there. So uh, until next week, where can they find you? They can find me at Facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe or on Twitter at Clipout Crystal or on the bike at Clipout Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Uh, you can find me on the bike. Not at all. <laughs> Yet. Just a reminder. You cannot find me on the bike Yet At all Yet At all What are we doing <laughs> So anyway Can't find me on the bike And what, what are you Why are you doing that <laughs> You're so cute They don't They don't know that Or agree All that matters Is how I feel That is true So uh, You can also find the show On Facebook At facebook.com Slash The Clip Out Or you can check out Our website Theclipout.com While you're there You could check out Our web store Maybe buy yourself A t-shirt Or a non-dad hat <laughs> And uh, And um, What else I think that's everything So That's it for this episode Thanks for tuning in And until next time Keep peddling Set yourself free Come on and take a ride with me You know what you need to know And what's it all about Everything you need It's on the clip out So just some background in case uh, uh, in, in case you, you want to tease us about it So Crystal is an avid Peloton user I am uh, not like I'm not. I just not because I don't like Peloton because I don't like movement uh, or sweat. Are you not a user or are you not an avid user? Not, he doesn't ride the bike at all. Like he doesn't exercise at all. So it's an ongoing joke because <laughs> because I'm lazy. So with all due respect, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I'm supporting my wife. Is what I'm doing. He here. loves me. Yeah, <laughs> that's admirable. But it's a fair question. It is a fair question.